Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Jim and Austin. Thought we'd visit China and India. We haven't been there for a while. Uh, there's some problems in the northeastern part of India. Is that correct, Jim? Yeah, that's Arunachal Pradesh. That's a that's a mainly lowland, uh, you know, jungle uh, uh, area of India, which is it's a fair the high chunk. I haven't got the, stat, the stats in front of me, uh, but they're very concerned about that. Um, and the Chinese really don't have a historical claim on that. Uh, they're making that one up out of whole cloth, but that doesn't bother the Chinese. It just bothers the people who are being asked to give up the territory. Pakistan, in meanwhile, is claiming that uh, all this, the new activity in the Northeast, in addition to the you know, the activity in Ladakh, which is uh, you know uh, in in central, up more towards Pakistan, um, is drawing uh, China, uh, Indian uh, army forces, ground forces, away from the Pakistan border. Now I don't know how significant that is. I have to do the math. They don't always release numbers, but the Chinese have a a major advantage here. India's uh, military is large, you know, about a million people. But they've always had, and they got good leadership. They they recruit, you know, good good troops. They're mostly basically volunteers. Um, but the procurement system, which we've covered a lot in strategy page, uh, continues to have problems about getting them, uh, you know, uh, modern weapons. Uh, you know, the uh, when the when the Indians find out that the uh, the Chinese supplies to Pakistan give the uh, the terrorists that Pakistan is sending across the border into uh, Kashmir better equipment than Indian troops have, that sort of motivates them. That that uh, basically caused them to go to Israel and get a lot of Israel Israeli border defense, as it were, equipment, you know, sensors and and various and advice on, you know, dealing with tunnels and what have you. And that's been helpful. Uh, but the um, the Pakistanis are basically betting the farm on Afghanistan, whether they want to or not. And we've explained that, you know, uh, thoroughly for years in strategy page. And that's still pretty murky. Uh, China is still leery of uh, its projects in Pakistan, <clears throat> which are guarded by a special 30,000-man uh, Pakistani army force, um, you know, to protect them. And the protection isn't 100%. And the Chinese are afraid with uh, more uh, Islamic terrorists, you know, setting up shop in Afghanistan, which is apparently going on. Um, that's going to basically feed the, uh, you know, the uh, the attacks on Chinese personnel in, uh, in uh, you know, in inside of uh, Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan is just about finished with a fence across their border with Afghanistan. This is this is not perfect. Mainly, it it antagonizes the uh, you know the the Pashtun tribesmen on on both sides of the border, uh, but it's something. So everything Pakistan does, you know, uh, for security is to placate China. China, meantime, is having uh, problems internally 
with their economic meltdown. Uh, they're they're suffering a debt crisis now, and that's still it's it's unresolved. I mean, it's really it's causing internal problems in China. Uh, China is also trying to uh, uh, win the uh, support of uh, Europe by uh, complying, as it were, with the uh, the global uh, warming, you know, uh, um, carbon dioxide limitation rules, and that's causing some temporary uh, quirks in the uh, Chinese economy. A lot of uh, companies have had to uh, shut down. They're not generating as much electricity. In fact, it got so bad that they were finally forced to accept uh, coal they had ordered from Australia months ago and had refused to let unload. They wouldn't let the ships leave. This this is one reason why China, uh, Australia has basically joined the U.S.-U.K. Uh, alliance, as it were, uh, to get new submarines. But in the submarine department, China has a problem in that uh, South Korea just introduced the first of its 3,000 ton. This is, this is a competitor for the sale to uh, uh, to Australia, and the Australians are probably now wishing they'd taken it. Because the new KSS-3 subs, the first one is in service. It had extended, you know, trials, which is normal for the first of a class. But one thing it includes, and it's the only other Navy in the world besides the United States, uh, which installs a lot of VLS, vertical launch system tubes. And uh, the Chinese tubes are a variant of the, the standard VLS tubes. And um, they basically test launched a on mid-September a ballistic missile from one of their uh, you know, new, uh, these new subs underwater, you know, the cold launch, boom, up it went 500 kilometers. They have another model which can go 800 kilometers. Uh, the system, the VLS tubes also hold uh, South Korean cruise missiles, which have a range of 1,500 kilometers. This bothers the Chinese a lot. They're not saying much yet. They're probably trying to digest how do we deal with this. China tried to do that in, uh, in, in nine years ago. They built a, a test an experimental uh, Type 32 sub, which is basically their their, their copy of the uh, uh, the uh, the Kilo class uh, they buy they bought from uh, from Russia, and they've improved on the Kilo class. But this one had uh, a, a, a missile tubes uh, for both uh, cruise missiles and ballistic missiles. They tested it, and that was it. Nothing since then. Korea went ahead. Uh, meanwhile, Japan, which was also bidding on the Australian contract, have uh, been putting into service their subs with the uh, lithium-ion uh, batteries, which they've made safe. Better be safe, or there's some burst in the flame at, at inopportune moments. But anyway, the um, the uh, the the uh, underwater the you know, the AIP uh, air independent propulsion system in the new KSS three subs uh, basically broke a record staying underwater uh, for 21 days at a shot. So that makes it functionally, you know, in many circumstances, the equivalent of a nuclear submarine because this puppy can stay underwater. It's quieter, or at least as quiet as anything uh, the U.S. or even China has. And it can launch torpedoes, uh, harpoon missiles out of the torpedo tubes, as well as cruise missiles and um, uh, now ballistic missiles, something the North Koreans are still working on. Uh, so, and this is something that the, the basically the Americans we had a treaty with uh, with uh, South Korea 
where they wouldn't produce long range uh, ballistic or you know cruise missiles but in in 2010 uh, as i think everybody interested in the area knows uh north korea launched uh, sunk a um, a uh, south korean corvette and uh, and and fired artillery on an island uh, just across the the naval border uh on the uh, on the east coast caused some casualties and some property damage. This basically eliminated any any inclination by South Koreans to try to use a soft approach to North Korea. And they we they went to uh, the US and said, look, let's tear up this treaty. Obviously, it's not working. We agreed. Uh, and they've been building all sorts of stuff, not nuclear weapons, but they're clearly capable of it. So is Japan. But neither of those countries mentions it. They don't have to. Uh, but China has to keep an eye on it. And of course, South Korea, uh, and is still, uh, you know, investing a lot in anti-ballistic missile systems. Now, India is talking about getting S-400 any aircraft systems from uh, from uh, uh, Russia. Uh, the problem is the uh, Chinese have a similar system. They bought S-400, S-300, the, the latest model of S-300, um, and they're in the process of upgrading it. Uh, so this makes the situation very dense, that, uh, dicey for India because they've always been caught by surprise by the Chinese. And they're afraid, you know, the, the Chinese are, are playing their same old games, which have been successful in the past. And they're going to take a lot of territory from India. And India's only option is a nuclear exchange. And, of course, the Chinese are expanding their nuclear missile arsenal. Uh, India doesn't want to do that. Uh, but what can they do? I mean, they basically, they, they've got one hand tied behind their back as far as uh, developing and building or, or buying overseas the modern weapons that they need to compete. Now, they're, they're changing that. They're making, they're making substantial changes in their, their military procurement operations. We've been reporting that, uh, but they haven't got rid of all the, the, the dead weight. Um, and uh, that's going to be a terminal problem for them if China ever decides to play rough. Fortunately, the Chinese don't do that. I mean, Sun Tzu always cautioned, and, and they're paying close attention to Sun Tzu now, uh, to basically uh, push and shove and bribe and whatever, do anything but fight, because if you fight, there's uncertainty, and China does not like uncertainty, and there's no certainty that if they had a nuclear exchange uh, with India, that wouldn't involve, uh, a, a, you know, at the very least, an embargo, um, a blockade, a sea blockade uh, by the, uh, by not just India, but the, the uh, how should I put it, the East Asian Alliance, which includes basically South Korea, um, Japan, Taiwan, those are the three major military powers. Actually, Singapore is actually pretty strong in many areas. Um, and together with the United States, and if Australia ever gets their new subs, nuclear or non-nuclear, uh, that'll be a formidable uh, submarine force, which is what you would use to shut down the Chinese economy. That is a that is a worse fate than a nuclear war. A nuclear war is unequivocal, lots of damage, a lot of angry Chinese because you can't kill them all, um, and um, uh, that's something that nobody wants, especially the Chinese. But they're having problems internally, which may defeat them before anything else does. 
because the dreaded, you know, uh, real estate bubble and financial crisis is starting and they don't appear to have developed any uniquely Chinese strategy um, to uh, deal with it. Uh, Japan went through the same thing in the 1990s and they basically stalled uh, their economy uh, perpetually. I mean, they had they never uh, they never regained the growth rates they were they were having until the 1990s. But that brought about the property bubble, which the United States has suffered from occasionally. Uh, of course, the United States has internal domestic, uh, financial problems. Uh, we keep borrowing money that we can't, you know, earn as we can't pay back. And uh, even, you know, both uh, both parties in the, in government, Democrats and Republicans, are warning that you know this will basically uh, destroy the credit rating of uh, U.S. debt. Will drive. Um, interest rates on on U.S. you know uh, bonds, uh, debt as it were, uh, through the roof, and create the beginnings of a spiral. And so far, we haven't shown the discipline to stop this. I mean, right now the the current government's trying to push through over three trillion dollars of additional spending, which is basically uh, re-election money. They call it infrastructure, this or that. But you look at the details. The devil is always in the details. Um, a lot of it is basically handouts to various you know uh, groups that will keep the current government in power. Um, so you know it's 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 not a question of of who's better, but who's who's worse at handling their current you know uh, foreign and domestic crises. And uh, no one should forget that you know China has a lot of them, uh, including the population decline. Uh, which is proceeding apace. Uh, China finds that no matter what incentives they offer, the uh, women don't want to have more kids, uh, which is actually the curse of affluence, which has been known since antiquity. Um, and they won't allow uh, migrants, legal or otherwise. Um, so, you know, there it is. It's getting worse. If it gets desperate, it goes over into the into the uh, the danger zone. And if nukes start going off, it's all over. But there might be economic nukes, as it were, before that happens. Uh, in the meantime, it's a question of how much territory uh, will the Indians give up before they basically, you know, uh, do something drastic or rash. So, Austin, how do you see the uh, China-India conflict? Well, it's uh, – I, I guess I ought to give a little historical uh, sketch of it. Uh, despite Mao's uh, you know, revolution, revolutionary rhetoric, remember one of the first things the Chinese do, in 1950 they take Tibet, and that was interpreted by the Indians quite correctly. That, that These guys are not, you know – uh, really, uh, <clears throat> communist internationalists—you know, the standing up for the third world or whatever—they're—they're they're just Chinese imperialists. So they take Tibet, claiming it was a lost province. We've heard that line before. Well, since Taiwan is also lost province, uh, it, it got worse in 1959. The Dalai Lama flees, and India gives him. Uh, refuge. He's an exile in India. China didn't like that. So in 1962, this is another, this is literally a frozen war, and that's an old joke about the Sino-Indian War of 1962. China uh, prepared its troops in both the uh, West and in the 
east in the uh, uh, passes that are disputed. Um, they acclimated them to high altitudes and launched a surprise attack and uh, pushed India back in the in the east, and I'll call it, uh, Pradesh. And then in the west, it's uh, that western area is, you know, like we call it tri-border area, but it's Ladakh. I think that's the way to pronounce it is yeah. uh, the, the main main town there. Now, understand that th that's about uh, depending on how you, 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 you well, and I'll, I'll mention why there's a, a, a big difference between the way the Chinese measure the line of actual control and the Indians do. It's about 3,500 kilometers. If you run from the Ernakal uh, Pradesh all the way to, you know, the tri-border area, right across uh, through the uh, through the Himalayas and, and uh, up and down uh, in the passes. Uh, the Chinese say, no, the line of actual control is only about 2,000 kilometers because they divide it up. There's an area where there's no dispute, according to the Chinese. But that's according, uh, according to the Chinese. Uh, there has been friction, uh, meaning uh, incidents, many armed incidents, a lot of the, uh, as, as Jim was mentioning earlier, uh, Sun Tzu type chest beating incidents too, where there isn't any physical violence, there's just uh, uh, displays, uh, more or less constantly, Dan. Uh, since the mid uh, uh, the mid 60s uh, what happens in after China starts making some money and uh, there I mean there, there were improvements made on the Chinese side of the border uh, transportation links uh, prior to the late 80s but in the 90s uh, they really used they start improving uh, Roads, road networks, building new uh, uh, airfields. Uh, they uh, build those high-speed. Uh, they're they're there's really one link that runs all the way now from uh, Beijing in into Tibet. But they start improving rail links within Tibet and and connecting uh, Tibet to the uh, uh, to the rest of China. Uh, they also start uh, deploying and um, uh, helicopters that are uh, designed to, to be able to operate at the uh, Tibetan Himalayan uh, altitudes. All of those raise the temperature uh, in, in, in India because India notices it. So India responds, and this, this becomes something the Chinese use propaganda-wise, by building a couple of forward airfields, including one in the uh, in the west, and I'm trying to you know off the top of my head remember exactly where it is, but it's it's a forward forward base. Uh, China gets worried about this because up until mm, well now 15, 16, 17 years ago, the Indian Air Force would be judged as as being superior to the, uh, to, the uh, 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 to the Chinese. Now, I, I don't believe that that would be the case. I'd be interested in hearing Jim's uh, opinion about it. I know the Indians are trying to uh, uh, recover their, uh, uh, at, at least even it up technologically and operationally with the uh, 
uh, with the Chinese. The Indians may have better pilots. Uh, that that may that may be still in uh, a, a a factor in a India China Chinese uh, Chinese dispute. But India is also particularly in in the uh, in the West, which is also threatened by Pakistan, has has. Uh, Built up its forces and improved its positions in the West, and even though the Dakham Plateau, which is in in the east, has been uh, over the last four or five years the area that has seen the most direct uh, 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 direct conflict, including including casualties. The reason I'm going through all of that is like there's a history of it. And what China has been doing, if you look and look back, is consistently moving slowly forward, preparing uh, positions so that it can come from the high ground uh, to the lower elevations should, the, should a war, a conventional war, uh, begin. And again, it's not necessarily that they really want that conventional war, but they want to be able to hold the position. It's where they like going around preparing, um, preparing the battlefield. And this is something that is, we're not doing it uh, through violence. We're doing it slowly, and it's 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 muscle flexing. Uh, India is aware of that. India has the the size, the power, and if it really does modernize its forces, has the uh, conventional combat power. To uh, it would be I'm going to leap ahead instead of uh, walk through it. That it, it would be another bloody stalemate, a conventional war at uh, in the Himalayas between India and China. Though it's it's possible you could see the the, the Chinese make a breakthrough, particularly uh, in the uh, uh, in the East. But what happens to China if they do that? Now I'm focusing just on a uh, a, a bilateral war, which it wouldn't be a bilateral war. Remember, here's China's real problem with India. India uh, sits right in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and you look at the you know sea lines of communication that run all the way from Southwest Asia and Africa. In other words, the natural resource base that uh, China needs to keep its economy going. Now, one of the reasons that you've got that Belt and Road Initiative and and China's trying to line up right, right through Asia so that you could recreate a Silk Road and do some of the uh, supplies. Uh, this is the, what they're, this is what their, uh, at least their propaganda intent is, is that it could be shipped uh, on land Either by truck or, or 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 by rail, without having to go on ships through the uh, Indian Ocean and then through the uh, Straits of Malacca, South China Sea to the Chinese coast. Except, just do the math. I'm sorry, <laughs> ships can carry so much more than railroads, and railroads are also easily interdicted. In fact, is. Uh, uh, a different kind of interdiction, but uh, they're, they're easily uh, uh, interdicted, uh, especially the long, lengthy railroads going through uh, what is uh, 
hostile territory or potentially hostile territory for the uh, uh, for the Chinese. China has a problem with India that uh, is geographic and and and, pol- uh, and political. Now. It's gone about the, the communists. Remember, they are a communist party. Uh, they are Chinese imperialists. Uh, Nehru got them right after their behavior in, in Tibet in, uh, in 1950. Uh, they're, they're just another you know, iteration of, of uh, 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 Chinese, uh, Chinese emperors. So they, they've got uh, Marxist lingo. But notice the thing or two about Xi Jinping is that he combines Marxist lingo with classical Chinese Middle Kingdom mythology. So he's 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 bringing he's bringing them both both together. Um, the uh, Indians know the threat that China presents to them. They know that China has you know really backing up uh, Pakistan. And so they, this is, it's been a slow process of where they've been because of their relationship with Singapore and Australia, who they see as former British colonies, which they were. Uh, they've already a great deal of uh, cooperation with Australia and Singapore. Now, it's, this moves to the, the, the so-called quad, the quadrilateral security dialogue, which was kind of sort of started by the Japanese uh, in eh, official eight is, is hazy. Some say 2005, but there was a, a meeting, I think it was 2007, uh, that Japan uh, – uh, initiated that was uh, the quad was Australia, United States, Japan, and and, and India. That's with a goal of creating a, a defense coalition. The Indians didn't want the word alliance. Uh, they didn't like that. Uh, they're suspicious of the United States because of the uh, uh, U.S. What was it, seventy-one war, where uh, we supported uh, 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 Pakistan. Uh, that's one reason uh, that uh, they've been quote unquote suspicious of the uh, United States, even though there are it's a substantial number of Indians in. Uh, Defense, uh, rela- I'll, I'll say the, the defense intelligentsia that for ages has has thought you know the the U.S. was also a colony of of, of Great Britain, and we uh, all we all speak English. Just land so the Singaporeans and Australians. There is uh, there's room for cooperation here if we can just get past the U.S. supporting Pakistan in 1971, etc. Et, 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 et this is China's the the quad is a Chinese nightmare. Jim's already discussed what you, you, what South Korea, uh, Taiwan, and Japan can do, plus backed up by Australia, plus backed up by the. Uh, 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 by the United States, and now, because of to get back, and I said it's a communist government. They are belligerent. Uh, they do threaten. Uh, they've got now a, a land front, a huge land front, uh, on their border with the with the Indians, who have the uh, potential to be a a near peer competitor uh, of uh, of China. Uh, the Chinese, the, the Communist Party's belligerency has uh, and I, has has led to this nascent 
alliance. Now, one of the things that has really harmed it was the the Biden bug out in Afghanistan. That shook everybody up. Uh, and of course, the Chinese are, are already using it to the Taiwanese saying, saying you can't rely on the Americans. And uh, I'm sorry, you know, you, you just look, Americans will bug out on you. And it's India had invested a lot in at, at least getting a stalemate in uh, Afghanistan uh, because it, it improved their security situation. And they are – you, you read the uh, Indi- Indian press, uh, the knowledgeable Indian press, and they're <laughs> – uh, dare I say it? They're a bit like the French. It's it's understandable. They're appalled. The British are appalled by Afghanistan, but there's also the greater reality of Chinese belligerency. So you see the quad with India being uh, 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 India participating, uh, and it is participating. There were a number of. Uh, Primarily naval exercises, that and there were uh, two major ones during the uh, uh, during the Trump administration. One of them was hosted by India, and it was uh, an exercise that was primarily in the Indian Ocean. But there have been a couple of uh, quasi quad uh, exercises in the South China Sea, which sends uh, a diplomatic message to Beijing that's loud and clear, and then the Chinese. Uh, protested them. I mean, they uh, absolutely uh, squawked. Uh, The thing is, though, take a look at where the South China Sea is. Why? You go through the Straits of Malacca, where Singapore is, and now you're in the Indian Ocean. India has an interest in keeping the South China Sea uh, a, a free passage, which is what it has been traditionally until the Chinese Built those fake islands and claimed that uh, you know nine dash line and it's all Chinese uh, maritimes, which it isn't. It's a it's a threat to the entirety of of East Asia. Uh, uh, and, and to say that uh, Jim already mentioned that South Korea and Taiwan uh, collaborate with Australia and uh, and and Japan, they would be part of uh, effectively part of a quad. And uh, sometimes the quad's called a quint because Singapore operates with it uh, already operates. Uh, with uh, the uh, other uh, four players, the four players in, in the quad. Um, war still on, though, in the Himalayas. It's you know, despite all the negotiations and the quiescent times, where there's still uh, sharp disagreement over uh, the uh, over the border, and uh, even though India has. On about, I can think of three occasions, so it's probably 14 uh, occasions, said, we'll, we'll agree, let's solidify it and, uh, and, and draw a, a definitive border. And China says, oh, okay, and then it doesn't happen because the Chinese don't really want a definitive border. They want to move it a little further, uh, move the, the, the line a little further south because, as I said, that's you know, set up a situation where they have uh, uh, operational dominance uh, in, uh, in over northern India. But uh, yeah, so that, that war's still on. That war's still on, just like the the, the Korean War still on. It's uh, uh, it, it's it's not over, and the Sino-Indian War of 1962 isn't over. And I guess I'll leave it at that. I, that's my answer to your question, Dan. Okay, Jim, do you have anything to say before we wrap things up? 
No, I think that pretty much covers it. China's at a stalemate. It's got internal problems. Uh, it doesn't want a war that would close down its foreign trade. Uh, it certainly doesn't want a nuclear exchange. Uh, it's basically painted itself into a corner. And now it's got Afghanistan and Pakistan at risk, as it were, uh, because as Austin pointed out, the, uh, the you know the the belt and and, and uh, you know the land based the new Silk Road, uh, basically uh, the new port that the, uh, Ch the Chinese financed in Pakistan is right by the Iranian uh, border. That's a base. Gadar. Gadar. That's, that's as far that's as far uh, far west as they've got, and they basically turned that into a Chinese colony. That's what the thirty thousand uh, Pakistani troops are are mainly uh, guarding. In fact, the the uh, peninsula it's on has been uh, walled off, as it were, the the uh, the entrance. Um, so it's easily defended, uh, unless somebody, as Austin pointed out, inland along the uh, the pipelines and the railroads and the roads. Uh, starts at carrying out attacks. Well, those attacks were already happening. Uh, so, you know, nobody's invulnerable in this mess, and everybody's vulnerabilities are potentially devastating. Well, Jim, that's what I said. It's hostile territory. They've, they've got Gadar, you know, pretty well sealed off, but they're, if they're going to start trying to ship things with massive pipelines and, you know, improved railroads and the like, those are vulnerable. They can't, they cannot cover yeah. and uh, 2,000 out, miles of railroads. Yeah. You know? we, did, we, did, we did the math in one of our, uh, one of our updates, uh, pointing out the numbers involved uh, versus, you know, going overland versus shipping. Uh, <laughs> ships are far more. Absolutely. Uh, inexpensive they're not that much slower and uh they're basically a lot harder to interdict i mean if you have a large enough navy uh, you can protect them uh not it's not as but it's not as as vulnerable as the landlines as it were um so you know china's always been an insular you know uh, country uh it isn't until the uh, the last 50 years that they got heavily involved when they when they basically got into the industrial revolution remember china didn't really start the industrial revolution until about 40 50 years ago and that's after they basically adopted a uh, a market economy. They basically turned into what the Nazis were, you know, a market economy uh, run by a dictatorship. They won't admit that, but that's basically what it is. Well, we know what happened to the Nazis. Um, and uh, they, they, they basically have to uh, become a more, uh, how should I put it, uh, friendly uh, superpower which is one reason the United States and, and Britain once achieved that. I mean, Britain, for all of its all the accusations of their, their ugly colonists, et cetera, et cetera, um, they were far more co cooperative with the locals uh, than, say, the Germans or even the French or anybody else was, the Spanish. Uh, and the United States has the, got the same reputation. So when people, you know, stand back and take a look at what they're, what they, what they got on this side and that side, they say, well, you know, the Yanks ain't that bad after all, and the Indians are are doing that with the British. They basically Britain dragged the Indians into the Industrial Revolution, and they're looking back. You know, all of our basic infrastructure, the Britain, the, the English built, and we haven't managed to upgrade it or expand it that much. So they basically in the 1990s did what China did. You know, 20 years earlier, more than a decade earlier, they. Tried tried to uh, free the economy 
But the Chinese are more successful at it than the uh, the Indians were, because the Indians have all these layers of, of, of bureaucracy, which have an interest in keeping all the rules and regulations and, and limits, as it were, on growth in place. So, but anyway, that's how it works. It's a question of who can loosen up and be, uh, how should I put it, friendly enough to do business with. Uh, and so far, China is... Uh, they started out night well, but they've since earned a uh, justifiably uh, dreadful reputation. All right. Well, we'll end it there, and we'll talk to both of you next time. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye, Dan.